0: Hello and welcome to At Home With, a podcast from the residential business at Knight Frank. At Home With offers a glimpse inside the lives of some of the world's foremost property experts and every week you'll be hearing conversations with agents from across our business about how they made it to where they are today, how they found their dream homes and how we can help you find yours. I'm your host, journalist and social media executive at Knight Frank, Rebecca Hills. Today, I'm joined by Erin Van Toel, a partner in our Australia office. Erin and I will be chatting about the highs and lows of her career, her most exciting property sales, and what it really takes to make it in the world of real estate. Erin joined Knight Frank back in 2007 as a receptionist in our Knightsbridge office and moved up to become a partner in our Hyde Park and Marlebone offices. Since then, her career has taken her across the world, where she now heads up our sales and marketing at the Crown Residences at Wombarangaroo. With a 10 years experience in the property industry across two continents, she's a font of knowledge and expertise. Erin, it's a pleasure to welcome you onto the podcast. Thank you for having me, Becky. How are you doing today? How are things over in Australia now that lockdown measures are being lifted and things are slowly returning to normal?
1: Yeah, not too bad. We've started um, opening up again, um, which is great. So we're we're obviously still restricted, but um, we're seeing a bit more movement with people. So we can now go to restaurants, but be socially distanced. um, And there are uh, limited numbers. Um, people are starting to go back into the office, which is great, and most importantly for us, we can now do open open homes and and auctions again, which which is obviously really important for the for the property industry here.
0: And how have you Kate, personally with the whole lack of travel and such stringent restrictions on movement? How have you been finding that personally? It's actually been
1: okay. Um, I was thinking this week. I do miss a hug. Interestingly. But the actual working from home has—I feel like I've adapted to it really easily. Um, There's obviously a a requirement for, you know, a necessity and a pleasantness to seeing your team. Um, But we've really adapted to working virtually as a team. I've enjoyed my time at home, and I know that we—that's probably not um, everybody's situation. But um, it's actually gone really quite. Well, I think it's easier now. I caught up with some friends on the weekend and that's lovely. And I'm seeing some friends next weekend. And that's great that we can now start together, start to get together socially. But but on the whole, it's actually been all right.
0: That's great that you've been able to enjoy it and thrive amidst these conditions so much. Do you think that you'll carry on working from home regularly when all this is over? Have you found that it's actually your preferred way to work now?
1: Yeah, I, I Definitely think so. And I, I used to work from home regularly a few years back when I first arrived in Australia. If I had sort of some project work to do or if I was working on a submission and really needed to get my head down, I would I would work from home. But I I definitely am intending on incorporating more working from home into my into my week. I think I've I've moved more. I have discovered where my kitchen is, so I'm I'm cooking. Um, I feel more motivated to do those things. Um, I don't think that I've been any less productive in terms of my my work. My dogs are particularly happy um, to have me around all the time, um, but I think I can definitely see how it would be hugely challenging if you had young children at home. Um, I have, have siblings with children and, and that that is a lot more challenging um, than my situation for sure.
0: So I'd like to take things back to the start and find out a little bit more about what it was that made you decide to pursue a career in property. So would you mind telling us where the impetus to pursue this career path came from and how you ended up in London?
1: So I would say that I always had an interest in property. Um, I was a slightly strange child. I liked to go around heritage houses um, and have a look when I was young. uh, My brother and I used to sketch out floor plans of our dream homes when we were kids. And I certainly remember one occasion my mother went to visit a friend and brought home sort of 50 copies of Bell Interior Magazine, um, old copies. And I used to cut out all my favorite pieces of furniture and wall coverings and my favorite designs out of the magazines and scrapbook them. I mean, they were so ridiculously dated. There was sort of 70s shag pile carpet and orange tiles. Um, But I loved it. So I've definitely always had an interest in interiors and property and and space. But saying all of that, it was actually more necessity um, than an active choice that took me into property. My personal situation changed and I felt very motivated and needed to get a uh, proper job. And I went for an interview at Night Frank and I got the gig.
0: And you began your career as a receptionist in Knightsbridge and now you're heading up the sales and marketing at One Barangaroo. So how did you get from being a receptionist to being a partner and working on the more client focused sales side of things?
1: I felt when I started the receptionist role, I was 25. I definitely felt like I had some catching up to do. And it was my first taste of corporate life. I'd had some some roles before but uh, I had been working but but mainly in retail and and doing some odd jobs so I learned fairly quickly that if you volunteered for things if you stepped up and put yourself forward for opportunities that I would you know you would progress a little quicker and and get noticed so that was something I certainly actively did. I think it was really important for me to progress and move on to the next thing, um, not impatiently, but being very open to opportunities and, and wanting to, to build my career. So as opportunities came up, as I was offered different things, as I saw different things happening, uh, I put my hand up and, and I, was, I was open to change. Um, so I moved from receptionist over into um, the Riverside team, uh, with Mimi Kappas at the time and I was her lettings administrator and I did that for a, a couple of months and then a uh, role became available as a lettings negotiator so I did did that and then I got promoted to a senior negotiator and then there was an opportunity to move over to the Kensington office at the time and I I took that and became an associate um, and then Following that, um, we opened up the Hyde Park office. And so I put my hand up to, to run the lettings team for the Hyde Park office. And I did that for a little bit. And then the Marlebone office was um, was requiring a new manager. So I put my hand up for that and said, look, I'll I'll take on that one as well. And then I was promoted to partner and running those two offices. And then an opportunity came up, and personal circumstance um, to to transfer to to the Sydney office, and uh, it was a lot of deliberation. Um, but I think I felt that I would be a bigger fish in a smaller pond if I if I made the move out of London, and that that experience in other markets would would stand me in good stead.
0: And you mentioned there that you're almost constantly putting your hand up and putting yourself forward for things. Is that something that comes quite naturally to you? Or do you have that niggling fear in the back of your mind or saying, I'm not good enough for this, maybe I shouldn't do this? Or is it, I'll think about it afterwards, let's just go for it now?
1: Always anxieties and worries, and mainly based on my insecurities and misconceptions. I now look back and think I should have I should have done more or said more or voiced an opinion more. But your insecurities um, make you think that your opinion is not really that valued or everybody else in the room is much smarter than I am so I best stay quiet or that might be an inappropriate question or you know I should actually just be grateful for for the job that I've got so I whilst I put my hand up I also had very good support so there have been some people throughout my career journey that have absolutely supported me. And as I put my hand up, they've backed that decision. So, But I think by putting your hand up a couple of times, people see that you are open to trying new things, to perhaps changing offices, trying a different role. And people then approach you because you're you're adaptable you're you know you've you've been open to it in the past, so people feel that you'll be open to it again in the future, so it's certainly worth worth a conversation.
0: and you alluded there to people who have helped you out throughout your career and helped you build your confidence and instilled in you that self belief that's helped you achieve what you have. Are there any particular mentors or people you work with that really stick in your mind who have been pivotal in helping you succeed in your career?
1: I think it's really valuable and i I think that it's imperative to have people in your corner who understand you and can see the value that you add and your skill set and what you're capable of. I think it's imperative. And I've had some great champions over the years. And The first of those would, would be um, Mimi Kappas. And then I worked um, for Tim Hyatt. And then later on, Andy Hay has was always uh, a great champion. And now um, Rupert Dawes has, has taken over from that and is always at the end of the phone and and makes himself really available and is hugely supportive and not just in terms of me personally but but with the job that I'm doing with practical advice and you know have you thought about this or perhaps you know we could try this and that is hugely helpful and I think in terms of growing your career it's it's a necessity to have people in your corner willing to willing to back you.
0: And do you find yourself now paying that back and mentoring other people who are looking to pursue a similar career trajectory to you do you find yourself being quite passionate about? mentoring and getting mentees and doing more of that kind of educational and fostering of talent sort of side of property
1: it's actually something i've been thinking about a lot lately i've been listening to whilst i've been at home listening to more and more podcasts of all different levels of value um (laughs) But I feel that I haven't given enough back um, in terms of mentoring and assisting, certainly in terms of other women. I don't feel like I do as much as what I should. I've had a mentee here um, and I would hope that she would say that it was, it was helpful to her career. But I would, be, um, I would love to, to do more. Um, certainly with with younger women helping them sort of navigate their way through and offer that support and and champion them I think it's it's hugely important and it is whilst I feel terrible about my lack of action on that front um, I certainly do feel really passionate about it and think it's it's hugely important that women that have gone through um, and and men you know, people that have gone through it, come come back, look back and, and assist those that are at the beginning of their career.
0: Mm, definitely. And I think it's all about having that intention when it comes to things like this. It's all about finding that balance between actually doing your day-to-day job and then finding that little bit of extra time to mentor people on the side. And to go on from that, what advice would you give to somebody who's beginning their property career and sees what you're doing and would love to do something similar, where would you start in terms of giving them some advice?
1: Yeah, uh, I would say don't let your fear of change or your insecurities stop you from putting your hand up for opportunities. I think... We sometimes have this vision in mind of what our career is going to look like and where we want to end up. And, you know, we set ourselves these particular goals for particular times. But I think if you're too stuck on that, you, you may miss opportunities. Um, I think it's really important to broaden your skills. And I think only having one string to your bow is probably a little risky, um, I would say join committees, get involved in working groups, be a, be a sponge because later on you'll be you'll be able to add value. And whether it's your role in particular or whether it's just being part of a, a board or a management group, you will have knowledge across across the the different platforms that we operate in. I think it's it's really important to to not let your fears stop you from change um, and to give it a go.
0: And we discussed this before we started recording, but you moved from Australia to the UK and then back to Australia. And we alluded again to this a little bit when we spoke about anxieties and fears regarding putting yourself forward for things. But how did you find that experience of moving from one country to another and then back to your home country? What was that transition like and how did you find it on a personal and work level?
1: So I was born and raised in Tasmania. Um, and I got on a plane and left when I was 18. I finished year 11 in the November, and I was uh, year 12, rather, in, in the November and got on a plane in the January. And I didn't think twice about it. That was probably one of the decisions I've made in my life where I felt absolutely like it was 100% the right thing to do and I've had zero regrets or second thoughts about making that decision. I was hugely confident about that move. I didn't have any intention of moving back to Australia, but the opportunity came up and and personal circumstances and it, it was it did take some adapting. I think whilst we're in London, we we feel like yeah you know, we're in such an amazing environment when we work out of Baker Street and we're in our prime central london offices and i think we assume that all the offices around the world are just like mini londons and it's all the same and i think i felt similar to when i left australia to go to the uk i just assumed that hey it can't be that different you know we all speak english but there were some real cultural differences that i noticed and it was exactly the same moving back again i was you know, practically a child when I left, so none of my adult life had been in in Australia. Um, so coming back and then working in Australia, it was really different. There was some some real differences in certainly within the firm as well as to how how things were done, and and that did take some adapting. And I did have to be I did have to be a bit more vocal and
0: um, a little
1: bit more assertive when I when I came back to Australia in order to to adapt to that change.
0: And is that assertiveness something that comes quite naturally to you? Would you say that you're quite an assertive and outspoken and confident person or is it something you've had to work on and build up as you've gone throughout your career and progressed through the industry and seen that to be successful in the property industry, you do need to be quite a confident person?
1: I would say that my family would say that I have always been assertive. And I would have been the child at school that was told off for talking too much. And well I was the child at school that was told off for talking too much. And and I was I was vocal. You know, if I had an opinion, I would certainly voice it when I was young. But I think as you get as you get older and and personal circumstances and things that we experience, I think that that probably I lost a bit of that, and I think now that I'm getting older and I'm maturing and I'm getting longer in the tooth, and I've been around um, the industry for for you know a significant amount of time. I I do feel now that I I do feel like I not own that's probably the wrong word, but I I'm allowed I'm allowed to speak up. I'm allowed to be assertive now as if I've done my due. But I I don't think that that is a requirement for speaking up and being assertive. I think that's just me personally where I had it, I lost it, I'm getting it back again.
0: And what would you say are the key differences between the Australian and the London slash UK property markets? What were you noticing when you made the move from the UK to Australia?
1: There's definite similarities, but I think the first thing I noticed was the Difference in the maturity of the market, so and the idea of playing the long game. I think in in London, people buy into property with a long term view. They know that the market might go up. You know, at some points it might come down, at some points, but you know, in the in the long run, I think property is seen as a very safe bet, and ultimately you will be you'll be a winner. You just sort of have to hang on in there. Um, the difference with working in Asia was, you know, there's very much a, a flipping mentality. So when Asian investors are typically buying property off plan in, in different locations around the world, which, you know, includes London and, and and Australia, they will often sell it before it's even completed. So very short, very short um, cycle. And then here in Australia, the the property market has grown solidly for the last 30 years, but the media has a really big impact on sentiment um, and there's often negativity in the press around property prices. It gets a huge amount of coverage and I, I just don't remember the media having such an influence over the property market back in London as, as it seems to have here. There's a bit of fear mongering and, and that's, that's unfortunate. I think the other real difference is, is the depth of the super prime market so in london you know it, it's a really deep market you know a, there's a, a lot of stock and it's you know been operating at you know we would have had a super prime market for however many years in in australia that's that's very different so there has been an educational element to what we're doing certainly with with the project at Wombat barangaroo you know we're we're breaking records. Uh, in terms of in terms of the super prime market here in Australia, there are definite similarities between the two, and certainly with overseas investors, you know, people see both the London market and the Sydney market as, as safe havens. People are attracted to both markets because you know, there's great educational facilities, um, stable government, transparent taxation systems. So both, you know, there are there are a lot of similarities in in sort of the reasonings as to why people um, will invest in in either or move to either location. But there are just in terms of that maturity, I think in in the market there are there are definitely some differences.
0: And I'm really interested in that point on the power of journalists and the power of the media and how that sentiment can have an impact on the property market. And so, have you had to become almost a PR expert in order to acclimatise to this media driven property market in Sydney in Australia?
1: Yeah, very much so, and that is definitely something, call it a skill, that I've learnt. So. I have had media training and I do speak to the press relatively regularly i've I've done live TV and live radio and so far all have been um, successful but it does Speaking to the media does still make me apprehensive and I am definitely very focused when I'm doing an interview with the press that I ensure that the messaging is uh, and the information that I'm putting out there is is accurate and on-message, on-brand, factually correct, it, very important. And I, you know, with Wamba and Gru, we work with a great media agency and they've, they've been hugely helpful in terms of their guidance with me, um, sort of maneuvering through the, the press landscape here in Australia.
0: And to bring things back onto the property, we've alluded to One Barangaroo a few times, and I think it'd be great for our listeners to find out a little bit more about this incredible development in the heart of Sydney. So would you mind giving us a little bit more information on why people should be so excited about One Barangaroo? Absolutely. And it and it is so exciting. I think, you know, we hear about
1: developments or property all the time and we hear words like luxury and groundbreaking. Um, but this this truly is so Crown residences at Wumberangaroo. It's Australia's first fully integrated hospitality branded residences. So Our client is Crown Resorts and they are certainly Australia's best uh, hospitality um, provider with very successful hotels um, in Melbourne and Perth and this will be their first hotel in Sydney. It is an absolutely stunning building that's been designed by Wilkinson Air um, who are London based and did Kings Cross Gas Holders and then um, Gardens by the Bay in Singapore. They do amazing things with glass and our interiors are done by Maya Davis Studio Interiors out of New York. So we've got a really global feel to our building there are 349 beautiful hotel rooms and sitting on top of that we have 82 private residences so the first floor of residences is 133 metres off the ground so all our residences have stunning views over the bridge and the Opera House. Um, they all have access to the services and amenities of the hotel, and they're all finished to exactly the same standard. So they're really beautiful. We've got two to four bedrooms, and then we've got a stunning six-bed, duplex penthouse. So it's hugely groundbreaking for Australia. We've, we've certainly broken records
0: with this development and it's it's hugely exciting to be a part of. And what's your favourite part about this development? What is it that when you wake up in the morning and you go into the office and you go and sit in the marketing suite or you talk about it with clients, what is it that really gets you going, gets you the most enthusiastic?
1: What I find exciting about it is probably working across a different industry. So to having done residential property for such a long time and just residential property, even though I've worked in different elements of it, Working with some you know learning about the hospitality industry and hotels and working across a mixed use building and with a client like Crown Resorts has been has been brilliant. I have learned so much um, from this from this project but I I think and I have probably always maintained uh, I couldn't sell something. That I didn't really believe in, and that would be the case across all the roles I've had. If if I didn't really believe that it was fabulous and it was great, the best thing uh, I would struggle to sell it. But I I love it. it it's such a wonderful, such a wonderful product, um, and that that gets me excited. And we're we're also dealing with some really interesting people. Our purchasers are fabulous. They're we're building such a great community, and and our purchases are wonderful, the client's great, I've got a wonderful team and those are the things that that make me excited about my job.
0: And what themes have you noticed in terms of client behavior and types of clients coming to purchase at One Is there a real variety to the sort of people that are looking or is it very much a very specific type of person that wants to live in this development?
1: Yeah, we do. We have quite a spread. So we've got people with young children all the way up to octogenarians. So we've had, you know, sort of um, young tech entrepreneurs, you know, growing families, people with teenage children, retirees. Uh, I would say our average age of our purchases is around around late forties, early fifties is is probably our average. And people are definitely wanting. They're excited about moving in. And people are definitely. It's a it's a, typically a second or third third home, and they're really excited about. Living there, taking advantage of all the facilities, the amenities, utilising the room service, the housekeeping—that um, would be fair to say for for all of the purchases. But we've we've got a really lovely spread, and it's been hugely popular with local Sydney siders as well. We just because we haven't had super prime apartments available in Sydney before in a, in a block like this, it's it's just not happened. So people are really embracing the opportunity and and getting on board with it
0: and do you think that your experience in london working in central london in those super prime markets prior to moving to australia and working on one barangaroo do you think that's aided you considering that you said before that australia's super prime market is nowhere near as developed as london so has that experience really helped you and given you that edge over other people potentially who hadn't worked in those markets before
1: the experience of working in London has absolutely helped, you know. And we we deal with, you know, we've got such a great reputation as a brand in London that, you know, we're we're privileged enough to work with some really interesting people, with celebrities, you know, yeah, interesting interesting types because of that reputation, and that has certainly certainly benefited uh, what I've been doing here in terms of um, understanding the expectations of the ultra high net worth individual, and that is what. That is what I've brought with me from from my time in London, for sure. But more than that, it's the relationships with the wider team in London. And I am really well supported by the global team. And I mentioned Rupert. Yours earlier, Andy was was fabulous. Um, Patty Dring, Victoria Garrett, you know, these are people that have that are you know regularly in in touch, and we're we're regularly working together on the development. And having having that global support because we are a you know we're a global development here. We're benchmarked globally. We're one of the best developments in the world. Having that access to those those brains has has been hugely helpful, and and being able to do that with ease because I I know them um, because we have existing an existing relationship from our time working together in London is, has been really helpful.
0: And to centre the conversation back on you, a thread that I've picked up throughout our chat so far is that of adaptability and you being quite an adaptable person. Do you see yourself as quite an adaptable person or is that something that you've not considered about yourself before?
1: Yeah, I think I do. Typically don't get bogged down when circumstances change. I'm quite pragmatic. I'm super practical. I was actually laughing with my sister about this the other day. We are logistics people. Times might be tough. Things happen that are uncomfortable, and we will logistics our way. I don't think that's actually a word, but we will we will do all of the actions, go go through all of the motions to try and make things as you know to get through difficult situations. I think that I could probably find comfort living anywhere in the world. You know, if I was sent there, I'd not be ideal you know you make of it as you will and if you go into something with with an attitude that hey it's you know this is not so bad and there are definitely opportunities here you can come out with positives out of most situations and that's not to say that I am in fact I'm far from um, a glass half full you know actually typically I'm glass half empty but in those big life situations you need to put one foot in front of the other and move through And sometimes doing logistics and administration is um, certainly for me really helpful. If we just get on with the actions of doing the thing, then it will pass. It will pass. And we do adapt. And it's amazing how quickly we can adapt. If I think, you know, eight weeks ago, the idea that we would all start working from home and that that would be okay and now look how many thousands of people are working from home and it's it's okay it's okay you know nothing nothing dreadful has happened we've we've adapted so i would say yeah i would say that i'm i'm pretty quick at, at adapting
0: and to that point and linking it back to property, do you think that adaptability is a vital and essential skill that you need in order to be successful within this industry? I would say so. I
1: I wouldn't for me personally, I wouldn't want to be known just for one thing. There's that one thing Erin can do and that's really all Erin can do. I I think that skill sets are completely adaptable. You know, what it, whatever it is that you've done for the last five years, that's not to say that the skills, the core skills that what you've of what you learned in that that previous role can't be transferred to to another role because the core skills of what we do whether you're letting something or you're selling something managing something the core skills are the same you know it's it's customer service you know it's it's really it's client management and if you don't have the information but you're good at client management you'll find the information if you if you've got good relationships with your team you know you'll you'll find you'll find the information
0: So this podcast is called At Home With, so I'd love to find out a little bit more about your home and what it was that made you fall in love with it in the first place. So I moved house
1: again oh, been nearly a year ago and I looked at, I think, four or five properties on the one day um, at open homes and I walked into this one and I only needed to be in here for about 10 minutes and I I knew this is the house. And I think the most important things for me when looking at a house space and light and not just about having lots of space but how I live that the space suits my lifestyle um, is really important to me and then also light I would really struggle to live in a property that had even a hint of damp or didn't have good size windows and and lots of natural sunlight that would be hugely important for me I also think I need two bathrooms I think that is important to me and I definitely need outdoor space a garden and mainly because I I have dogs but also for my own peace of mind that that outside space is is really important for me.
0: And looking back over your career what would you say is the most exciting or memorable or important property transaction that you've made or client experience that you've had?
1: I think I referred to this earlier. So one of the many great things about working for Night Frank is is our reputation, and that does lead us to work with really interesting people, um, including celebrities. And I, I've, we've done, I've done some strange things. I mean, I did sit in an apartment on the river for four hours with a well known rock star's PA listening for barges coming up the Thames just to sort of gauge whether the noise levels were high enough to be sleep interrupting. I, you know, I've worked with Young entrepreneurs, the octogenarians, and the, it's it's always interesting to see the different approach to getting the deal done. That's always interesting. But I think in terms of most exciting, it would have to be what we've achieved here at, at Barangaroo. I mean, we've we've managed to transact four sales over forty million, um, and that's part of twelve transactions over twenty million, and that that is a first for a, a single building in Australia. So I'll I'll take that as being my most exciting.
0: To date. And aside from Womburangaroo, is there anything else that you're working on at the moment, or offices you're working with, or teams you're helping out with that you want to talk a little bit more about?
1: I think I've probably given Crown Residences at Womburangaroo a big enough plug through this. So I will plug our amazing residential team that we have here in Sydney. Um, so outside of Womburangaroo, we've got some fabulous listings beautiful homes in sydney in the countryside around sydney rural properties beautiful harbour front homes on with our our sydney prestige residential team and they are wonderful people and we work um, they're a great team we work really closely with them and i would definitely say if you are looking to buy or to sell i would strongly encourage you
0: to give them a call So, to begin to wrap up every podcast, we do a quick fire round. And the first question of which is London or country? So, I have
1: always maintained that if you were going to live in a city, it had to be the best and the biggest. So, I always said that I would only ever live in London or New York. But here I am living in Sydney. Um, I am a city person. So, if I was going to go to the country, it would have to be way out in the sticks. Um, but I'm going to say London.
0: Classic or contemporary?
1: I would say both. I like things that have a story. Um, So you know, I bought this mirror in the pouring rain down at Northcote Road Market. um, Rather than we were in IKEA once. Um, I like I like things with a story, and I like old and new, classic and contemporary put together.
0: Melbourne or Sydney?
1: It's Sydney. Um, My clients are headquartered in Melbourne. I commuted there for three days a week every week for over a year, but it's still Sydney. I think it's the harbour.
0: Call or email. There is definitely a time
1: and place for both. Um, I do like to sometimes gather my thoughts to put things in writing and get it correct, but sometimes you just need to hit a nail on the head and pick up the phone.
0: Office or working from home?
1: Working from home. I have really embraced it. It's it's me, it's my dogs, it's a good setup. I I definitely want to get together with my team and we will we're definitely doing that a day a week, but this working from home is, is really suiting me.
0: Tea or coffee?
1: I never drink tea. Just looking at tea with milk in makes me feel a bit queasy. Um, So it's definitely coffee, uh, two a day, both in the morning. Swimming pool or tennis court? I am massively uncoordinated, but also super competitive. So when I do sports that require coordination or equipment, I really want to be great, but I'm not. So I, I typically don't get involved. Um, so with swimming there's definitely no equipment so I it would definitely be swimming and it gets really hot here so a swimming pool would be fab
0: yeah definitely I'm very very jealous (laughs)
1: um walk or run Definitely walking. I see absolutely zero joy in pounding the pavements around Sydney running, but I walk at least twice a day and I've done a couple of 50 kilometre walks for a good cause in the past two, in the past couple of years.
0: And finally, Australia or the UK?
1: Now this one's really tough. My family are in Australia. We are close. I've got nine nieces and nephews that I love dearly, but my adult life is predominantly my growing up was in the UK. And I have been known to say that my heart is in London. So I would have to say the UK.
0: And the final question that we ask on every single podcast is, what does connecting people and property perfectly mean to you?
1: So for me, it means that we focus on our clients, we take their requirements and their needs seriously, we listen, we prioritize them and their needs over the deal. And because of that, we go the extra mile, wherever in the world
0: that may be. Amazing. Erin, thank you so much.
1: You're very welcome.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of At Home With. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd also love it if you shared this episode on social media, and please check out the show notes for more information. I'll be back next Wednesday with another exciting episode.